You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lone Oak Coffee. Start your day off right. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, order some coffee, use promo code COFFEE2020. Today, I talk with Redskins legend London Fletcher, who now analyzes the NFL for CBS Sports. We talk about Chase Young, Ron Rivera, his buddy Thomas Davis, the 4-3 defense, and of course, the Hall of Fame. He was generous with his time, so you will enjoy it. And then I wrap up with a few thoughts on Dwayne Haskins' recent first-person piece on Redskins.com. Don't forget to check out my work on ESPN.com. Next week, I'll have a story on Chris Thompson's foray into free agency from start to finish. Check it out. And now, here's my conversation with former Redskins linebacker, London Fletcher. Now I'm joined by legendary linebacker and I say Redskins but you also were for other teams too but you guys all know with the Redskins London Fletcher and London is a really good guy I'm going to explain why because we originally taped this a couple days ago and I was having problems with Zoom and London was good enough to come back so I really appreciate that so London let's get started with your thoughts on the Redskins drafting Chase Young I was thrilled that they took uh, Chase Young I thought um I thought Chase is the um the best player in this year's draft. Um, he fits perfect, uh, perfectly for what the uh, the Redskins are um, going to do this year, moving to a uh, a four three defense under uh, Ron Rivera and uh, and Jack Del Rio. There, you can never have too many pass rushers. And the thing that I love about Chase is he can he can he's not just a pass rusher. He can he can um, rush the quarterback, but he also can stop the run. Um, so I, I thought he was a uh, a perfect fit for the uh, for the Redskins. As a an edge rusher, what do you like about his game? Well, I like um, first and foremost, you like the uh, his size, his his uh, his skills, his um, speed, athleticism, all those things that uh, you know some things were just God given. Uh, right. But then you like his uh, tenacity, the way he plays the game, um, the skill set to, that he brings, and then also you look at him and you look at the potential to where you see the sky's really the limit for him where he's just scratching the surface. Um, so you have to like all those things when you look at Chase Young. What, and how good do you think he can be? Like what, what level are we talking about with him here? You know, when you, when you look at him, um, just based on how he looks coming into the league, um, he definitely looks like a perennial Pro Bowl player. And, and he has the talent where you say if he, if he stays healthy, and he continues to develop the talent that he already has. You know, you're talking about a guy who has, uh, who comes in with, um, where you look and say, man, this, this guy has potential Hall of Fame um, type right. of talent. What is it? Because you, you know what it takes to get to a certain level. So when a guy comes in the league with that kind of talent, 
what what's the separator? Is it just simply the work they're going to put in? What's the separator that takes a guy from that potential to the realization of that? First and foremost, obviously you have to um, you have to stay healthy. Right. And some things just out of your uh, out of your control where where injuries happen. But staying healthy, the work ethic, um, the the amount of um, things that you put in, not just on the field or in the classroom, but in the weight room, um, you know, doing, the, doing all the necessary things to, to be able to excel, getting your rest, um, nutrition, um, all those things. Um, and then um, being coachable too and, 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 and understanding that, hey, you know, regardless of me being the, um, you know, in Chase's case, being the number two overall pick, I still have a lot of work to do. Uh, and, and he seems like the type of a, Right. type of kid who uh, who's going to work extremely hard and um and you know try to try to live up and be the best player that he possibly can be so when you look at their front now with going to a four three what do you think about that change given the talent that they have along that front i love it um you know it's uh when you when you look at the guys they have uh montre sweat uh uh Montez sweat um you know chase uh, Matt Ioannidis, uh, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen—you know those guys, man. Those are, that's 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 a group uh, that can really get after the quarterback. The thing about a um, the four-three defense, it allows your your defensive front to really set the tone of the way your uh, defense is going to play. And um, when you when you play in a three-four like the Redskins played in the past, um, I don't know maybe six or seven years. It's two thousand ten, um, yeah. Yeah, a lot of times your defensive line, they're not asked to necessarily be disruptive. But in the 4-3 defense, they will be asked to be disruptive. Right. They'll be disruptive um, rushing the quarterback and also stopping the run. So I think when you got those guys, it makes sense to make that switch to uh, to the 4-3. Did you like the 3-4 at all? You know, I liked some aspects of it. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I really – I mean, I, I played – the three, four, for four years of my career. Um, and then the rest of my 12 years, I, I played in the four, three defense. And I was able to um, make the three, four work, um, understanding how, you know, what, what I have to do to make the, the um, three, four work. It was a um, three, four we played in was more of a two gap. It's not a, right. a situation where the uh, linebackers were able to play downhill. So you don't have a lot of tackles for loss. But we didn't have a lot of tax for loss um, in that type of defensive scheme. Um, but the four three that I was accustomed to playing, it's one man, one gap, so to speak, uh, downhill. Um, you're attacking, so I I, I enjoyed uh, that four three scheme. Um, you know, but again, I I understood why um, Coach Shanahan wanted to make the switch to the three four, and I um, tried to make it work the best uh, um, possible. You played for Greg Williams here, Greg Blosh, and then Jim Haslett. People look at scheme in 3-4-4-3. For you, what made a defense good? Because you played with some defenses were good, and then some that weren't as good as what you would probably would have wanted. Well, first, talent, too. You know, talent makes a difference. Um, you know, what kind of players you have, um, whether you're playing in a 3-4-4-3, whatever. You, you have to start with, uh, you know, and understand what type of talent you have. Um, and then – getting your coach or the coaches to understand, um, you know, what each guy or collectively, what kind of fits these guys the best um, uh, from a game plan standpoint. 
um, you know, getting the best out of your, the most out of your players. So those are, those are things that um, the, uh, um, the really good coaches too do. They, they, yeah, they'll have a kind of a core scheme that they want to run, but then understanding, okay, let's, let's um, tweak it to fit the, uh, the talent that my players have. What do you think? Cause you, again, you were playing some good defenses here and then at the end it wasn't as good. What, what was it just the talent that changed or was it, you know, what, what do you think led to that, to the downfall of that? Because the defense hasn't been very good ever since then. <laughs> Man, I, um, you know, I think um, obviously part of it was, uh, I'm not going to say it was talent. It was just uh, oftentimes you're trying to, um, I thought we were, because we when you look at the, um, the guys that we had, um, my last what, four years in D.C. when we played the, um, Three, four. Right. We had guys who can make plays, but oftentimes it's just all right. Let's. How can we utilize these guys the best, uh, best way possible, or you know, um, things like that. Um, that was really kind of something that I think um, you had to kind of look at and say, okay, what's the best way to maximize the talent that I have that we have. One of the guys, and I'm going to get back to the current stuff in a minute, but one of the guys that you played with speaking of talent, was the late Sean Taylor. What kind of special talent was he? And do you, how much do you, every once in a while, do you find yourself thinking about what he may have done? I mean, how much do you think about what that part of it? Well, Sean, Sean, uh, he was a special player. He could play in any type of skating. He was blessed with tremendous size and speed and skills and and instincts, Um, being six foot three and being able to run like he can run and just, um, his instincts and also studying the game the way he studied the game and and also the way uh the way greg was using him right I mean, the, the sky was the limit for for sean um you know every year you kind of people talk about um when sean obviously on the anniversary of his uh right. his death um and, and you see uh see memories of or plays of uh that he used to make and i mean he was he was he was uh he had the potential to be one of the all-time greats. He did. And you know, it's funny because um or not funny, but you know, I know people look at you in a certain light for what you did here. One of those guys is Chase Young. Chase Young actually listed you as one of his favorite players, going, you know, be, you know, or whatever. So you got he he's a fan of your game and what you did. So it's gotta feel pretty good with that, right? Oh yeah, that that feels pretty good. Uh, you know, uh to know that that uh, that's one of the younger guys that kind of uh-huh. um, you know, like my game and uh, appreciated the way I played the game. Um, you know, that, 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 that makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> um, what, you, you're down in Carolina. So what's your relationship with Ron Rivera? Do you, what do you know about him? What have been your dealings with him? And what do you think about him as a head coach? Well, I've met Ron a couple of times on a, on a couple of occasions at um, some charity golf events. Um, had a chance to, you know, speak with him a couple of times. Nothing in great detail, but um, just being a, a a fan of football and a, a student of the game and just loving football for all my life. I've always studied um, defenses, studied, you know, different teams. And I appreciate the way he um, he goes about leading his, leading his team. I always thought he was, a, you know, a, um, a tremendous leader of men, just watching him from afar down here in Carolina. I know several people that play for him and they just, they love him, um, you know, speak extremely highly yeah. of, of him. Um, I, I think his, uh, 
his approach, the way he's going to hold a, everybody accountable is going to be um, is going to benefit the uh, the Redskins in general. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing um, you know what what the Redskins will look like under uh, under his leadership. How hard you know you were in that building. People talk about how tough it can be at Redskins Park sometimes. Can he go in there and change the culture to get it the way it needs to be to be conducive to win? I think he can. Um, when you first and foremost, when um, you know Mr. Snyder has uh, has really given him the keys to the organization right. and yes, said, he "Hey, this is this is going to you know it's going to be one voice leading our organization," and 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 you see some of the changes that that um, have already been made just from the front office standpoint, also. Um, you know, in the, in the, um, with the trainers, um, things like that. So those things, you know, Ron's, um, his fingerprints are going to be all over, all over this organization. And I think one of the great things and just listening to him um, kind of talk, he, he wants it to be a collaborative effort. Right. And um, even though he, he has the ability to um, you know, be in control of everything, doesn't seem like that's, that's the way he's going to approach it and the way he uh, feels is going to be the best way to go about it. But um, I think um, when you look at some of the trades that have already been, been made, um, trading the Trent Williams, trading um, Quentin Dunbar, um, things like that, um, you know, you, you understand that there, there, there will be some type of change. Thomas Davis, another guy they brought in. When, now, when you came here, you were a younger veteran, but they wanted you for the leadership, your voice and all that. Davis a little bit further along in his career, but they also like that. What do you know about Thomas Davis? What do you think about him as a player? I know Thomas well. Um, he, he lives uh, just around the corner from me here in Charlotte, so, so I, I know him well. Thomas is extremely, um, you know, great leader. Um, he still has, even though he's older in age, he can still run. He came in out of, out of uh, college as a safety and was converted right. to uh, – the linebacker, he was like a four-four guy. Um, so he, even though he may have lost a lost a, a half a step or so, he, he's still extremely sure. fast. And and yeah. you know, just watching him on um, watching him play last year for the Chargers, he was still still out there making plays for that defense. So you know, Ron loves the uh, the leadership, but that um, that Thomas is going to bring. But he also is looking forward to the playmaker that he's going to be, and he'll he'll also be able to. Um, convey Ron's message to right. the locker room. It's a big deal. Because he played for him so many years. He'll he'll be able to explain to guys how how um you know Ron wants things done and, and that's that's extremely valuable. What why what how how valuable is that? Because you you know you've been the coach on the field too, but in the locker room, how valuable is it to have a guy like that who can spread the gospel of Ron, so to speak? It's extremely valuable. Um just Anytime you you have a in-depth uh, knowledge of somebody, um, especially as you're coming together, you know you have a new coach. You can say, "Hey, coach, hey guys, this is the way he wants things done. If we do if we do these things, he's going to reward us, so to speak." Um, but just um, you know, sometimes you can have um, guys who may want to. Uh, kind of push back on certain things that the coach may be, may want. If you have a guy who's been with them and know, Hey, no, this is not something you want to push back on him about, um, you know, he's going to be a stickler about these certain things and, and he can kind of nip things in the bud before, before things get out of hand. Um, so he, he, there is a value in that.
couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich, but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. For, for you, how do you look back on your career now that you've been away from it for a few years? I think I had a great career. <laughs> I had a I had a phenomenal career. Um, you know, and I, I still. I would hope um, you would say that. Oh yeah, I. Um, you know, I, I really don't. Um, I look back on it somewhat, but um, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I guess I appreciate it more now that I'm finished. Um, because when you're in the midst of it and you're going through, you don't have time to to really appreciate the things that that you're accomplishing. Sure. And, and as I sat, sat back and I sit back and uh, kind of think about some things and, and, you know, and, and go and do some research on, on some of the numbers that I put up. And I'm like, man, they, um, this is a, uh, I had a hall of fame career. Um, right. You know, it's just, uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had a phenomenal career. I was do one you, of the best to ever do it at my position. Yeah, I mean, and how, when you look at the hall of fame, it took you. It took so long for people to appreciate to get you in that Pro Bowl. How do you view Canton for yourself? You know, um, it's one of those things where, if you, when you look at um, what I accomplished on the field, the numbers, the uh, the production, the the uh, impact that I had, the the you know winning the Super Bowl, starting on Super Bowl te- teams that went to the Super Bowl, all the um, things that, you know, my career um, brought about. And I compare it with some of the guys who are currently in the Hall of Fame, some guys who who will, um, you know, be Hall of Famers. It's right up there with all of those guys, if not better than, than some of the guys that are currently in the Hall of Fame. So um, it's one of those situations where I know if I um, – I feel like this, if I had played in um, in Washington my whole career and put up the type of numbers that I put up, it would be a no-brainer because – you know, sometimes you play in a, you know, Buffalo's a smaller sure. market. Uh, St. Louis is, was a smaller market. You just don't get the the type of exposure and the right. national attention in um, those places like I got when I when I played in D.C. Um, you know, a lot of times uh, I got overlooked just because of those things. Um, right. You know, when it comes to the Pro Bowls, guys were, were making Pro Bowls over me, and, and it was just like, really, this guy made the Pro Bowl over me? This just – it's a popularity contest. Um, right. If you sit in those meetings when we when we um, select the Pro Bowl, it's it's really it is it's a joke the way um, the I, way it's done. I, I even had um, one instance where um, um, Lofa Tatupa he made the Pro Bowl over me um, 2007, my first year in DC, and I 
remember that. He and Patrick Willis were the guys who uh, made the Pro Bowl. And, and you look at uh, the numbers I put up that year. Uh, we ended up playing Seattle in the uh, in the playoffs. Right. And uh, after the game was over, Lofa comes up to me and is like, man, you should have made the Pro Bowl over me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I just, that's what I'm thinking. I didn't say that to him. But, right. you know, even he recognized, like, he didn't deserve to, to go over me. But, you know, it, that's kind of the way things were. I know um, as it relates to the Pro Bowl there, you know, it's, there's, I mean, to the um, Hall of Fame, there is a popularity part of, of that too. And then, you know, some people's reputation is bigger. But um, hopefully the uh, the Hall of Fame voters will see past all the other stuff and really recognize what I accomplished on that field. Because when you look at my numbers and my accomplishment in comparison to anybody, I'm talking all the, all the Hall of Famers, they're as good or, or better than a lot of those guys. And and how much they factor in too, because there were things that you that you would do that maybe others weren't having being responsible for, calling the plays, the coach on the field. To me, that's a big part of your job. So how much should and I know that's kind of like it's an intangible, but how important should that be when people are looking at something like that? You know, that's that's part of it. Um, um, but but also, I think schemes too. Um, you know, I look at it like my my last four years in that um and that three four right heck I, I covered more receivers than cornerbacks did I felt <laughs> like it. And, and you know most middle linebackers weren't asked to do that um, right. but you know it's it just um what I was able to do and I I excelled doing it um you know making a making a ton of passes defense making a, a ton of um interceptions maybe you know, forcing the quarterback to go some other way. It's so it's so many things beyond just the um even though I have great numbers too, but when you really delve into it, um and for, you know, I guess it's about being able to have to opportunity being in the op, in the um conversation where you get to the sem semifinals. Um I mean I thought it was a total disrespect that here I am. I haven't even made it past the first round of the uh the Hall of Fame selection. Like you know, this that that baffles me. Um, right. You know, for me to even have my case truly made, um, you know, I thought that's. I think that's been uh, total, totally disrespectful to me and 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 what I accomplished. Is it is it hard because like if I'm you, I got a competitive side to me that's like I know I belong in there. How much do you think about it though? Because like it'd be hard to not to think about it, but it'd be try to. I try. I would try not to, but it would be hard not to because I'm a competitive person. For you, what would it? What is it like? I mean, do you think about it much, or is it more just when it comes up in conversation? More when it comes up in conversation. Um, whether it's when the uh, Hall of Fame, um, the initial list comes out, or they cut down to the uh, semifinals, the uh, 25 guys, and um, you know, I don't make the list, and then or, or somebody comes up to me and they're, and they're asking, "Hey, man, when are you gonna make the Hall of Fame?" And then it's like. You know, that's when it uh when I uh when I get pissed off. Um, um but as far as um it's not something I think about on a daily basis, but or when I hear or read something about some guy being oh he's a surefire Hall of Famer and and, and they might mention me as being borderline. What borderline? What are you talking about? Have you really paid attention? Right. I, I'll put it to you like this. I, I and I didn't realize this until recently where I looked at the um top tacklers in NFL history. And uh, I'm number two currently right. behind Ray Lewis. I can't remember how many tackles I'm behind Ray Lewis. It's, it's not a ton. 
But if you think about any other stat, whether it's um, passing yards, touchdowns, receptions, receiving TDs, uh, sacks, interceptions, where is the number two guy, if he's retired and eligible for the Hall of Fame, not already in the Hall of Fame? Right. I had, you can you can you can you can tell me um, a person who's who hasn't been in uh, who's not already in the Hall of Fame who whose career who finished their career number two in any category in the National Football League. It it, it makes no sense, especially because tackles aren't that important. People may say, "Well, it's tackles." Tackles are a fundamental aspect of the game, and in order for the the pass rusher to be able to to rush the quarterback, somebody has to get that quarterback in a right. third uh, third third down situation. And most most of the time, it's the the middle linebacker or somebody making tackles to be able to put put his team in the position um, to get to third down. Well, it's also as you know, in times for you, I would say for you in behalf of you, it's where you're getting those tackles too. Because in watching you play, there's a lot of times where you're making the read, you're hitting the guy in the hole, two or three yard gain. That's a really good tackle. You know what I mean? So I think, and especially over the course of a, a career. Uh, yeah, it's something. You might have to make my case, John. <laughs> I, I, I may, I may have to. You seem, you seem to get it. And, I, and I'm, it's, a, it's a lot of knowledgeable guys who are on the, um, the yeah. um, Hall of Fame committee. I don't know how they go about the, the cut down to the 25 guys and how close I've been to uh, getting to that list. But, um, you know, to where you really can start to have that – that conversation where they can really start to have that conversation and, and say, Hey man, you know, let's really look at what, um, what uh, London Fletcher accomplished in the national football league at five foot 10 from a division three right. school, 16 year career, never missed a, never missed a game started 15 consecutive years. I mean, we go on, they'll go on and on once they, once they start to realize like, Oh, this guy yep. did he did a lot. <laughs> I, I think you're right. Hey, um, another guy, I got just a couple more things for you, and I appreciate your time. Trent Williams' situation. You were, you know, you were here when he was here. He's a popular guy. You look like one of those guys who's going to be up in, the, you know, in the Ring of Honor or Ring of Fame, which I always forget which one it is, but up on the ring someday, and now it looks like that's kind of gone. What did you – how do you look at, like, the connection to an organization from the standpoint of a guy who is popular with the team? and is that bridge burned, do you think? Um, I think – no, I don't think the bridge is burned um, because you can't deny what, what Trent accomplished sure. during his time in, uh, in Washington. Um, you know, the uh, – there was seven Pro Bowls he made, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah. Um, how many years was Trent there? Since nine? 2010, or? yeah. So, you know, spending nine years there and what he was able to accomplish – during his time in, in, in Washington, as far as um, his legacy there, it's already cemented. He'll be, he'll be in the um, ring of fame there and, and deservedly. So um, I was, I was disappointed that they weren't able to, um, to work things out right. um, where he was able to, um, to still remain a, a Washington Redskins. Um, and it's selfishly because Trent's a, he's one of the best left tackles in football right. and I want the Redskins to do well. And, um, you know, to not have a um, – he's, and he's uh, one of the best footballs at a premier – football players at a premier position. I ran into Trent back in um, January or end of December at the uh, college football um, semifinal game between Oklahoma and LSU. And, um, you know, he looked really good. He was talking about how good his body felt. And, um, you know, um, 
at that time, Bruce was still with the organization, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, but I was, uh, you know, I was hoping that they were able to work things out. But, you know, it didn't work out. I, I'm going to still be a Trent Williams fan. Um, I want him to do well. Um, he's a friend of mine. I, I just, um, you know, selfishly, I want him to be still wearing the burgundy and gold. Right. You can, you still, you still root for this team, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, that's the, uh, that's, they're the team I root for the most, uh, in the National Football League. I, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll watch the Browns a little bit, but, um, you know, the Redskins are my team that I, um, I root for, even though the Rams helmet is in the back, but right. it's, that's just more about, uh, where I'm sitting, um, you know, <laughs> my comments are there. Yeah, I'm a, uh, I'm a big, big Redskins fan. Um, one, one last thing I want to ask you about is, is RG3. You had the locker next to him when he came in as a rookie. You saw what he did. Are you surprised where his career has gone? And, you know, and, and now I also give him credit because he's still trying to help and he's still staying in the league doing what he's supposed to do. But are you surprised where his career has gone? I am surprised. Um, you know, if you had told me after, um, after his rookie year that, um, you know, Robert would be on his um, his third team, um, you know, and, and a backup. Now I would have said, "Well, you got to be kidding me! Uh, there's right. no way he would uh, he would be on a on another team." Um, you know, I, I I would expect for him to still be in Washington playing for the Redskins um, and having a being a multiple multi uh, multiple time Pro Bowler and um, you know All Pro and things like that and um, leading his franchise to a to a you know, possibly Super Bowls, but um, you know, I uh, I definitely am surprised by um, the things that has transpired with his career. Um, you know, but uh, to his credit, like he said, he he's continued to uh, um, to grind and 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 still um, try to um, you know he's serving as a backup for Lamar Jackson now, and um, you know, hopefully he'll get another opportunity to become a starting quarterback and uh, kind of um, you know to make the most of it. You, can can do you think he can still go out there and beat? Because this the game the way the game's gone, can he still go out there? Do you think if he gets that other sh- chance, could he be that guy again? I think he can. Um, you know, as 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 you grow older and you mature and you um, you become wiser to things. Um, you know, um, one of the things he's healthy now, and health was a big issue that he dealt sure. with. Um, you know, early in his career. Um, or lack thereof, not being healthy. So now he's healthy and he understands the quarterback position a lot better than he did when he was a rookie or second year player. So I think um, if he's, if he's put in the right situation with the, with the right type of players around him, a head coach who believes in him, a head coach who's going to, um, you know, um, utilize his strengths and whatever those, his skill set, skill sets are, I think he can be a, um, productive quarterback in the National Football League. Um, last quarterback, Dwayne Haskins. Again, Redskins guy. You're an Ohio State guy, too. What do you think of him, and what do you think he could be for the Redskins? I thought um, Dwayne got better each week last year, um, you know, once he became a, a starter. And I don't – I know um, he had the, um, you know, the performance against the uh, the Giants was not right. good when he was thrust in there. And I don't know – how many reps he was getting in practice in terms of, um, you know, being with the, yeah, being with the uh, starters. And that's, that's extremely difficult for a young guy to, um, to, um, to do, to be put in a situation where you, you have a live bullets being thrown at you. You haven't taken any, uh, any first team reps at all. Um, 
um, in practice. Um, and, you know, veteran quarterbacks can do that. Um, but for a young guy who doesn't have that type of experience, that's, that's extremely tough. Um, but once he was thrust into the, uh, this position as starter, now he's getting all those reps. He's right. getting – he's learning how to prepare as a as a starter. And, and I saw him uh, getting better in, um, you know, the game uh, where, he, where he got injured. I thought he was, you know, playing he's some – he's playing some outstanding football. Yeah. The thing um, that I would have loved to see is him – for him to have a full offseason of work, the OTAs, the mini caps, the um, – you know, being able to work with his uh his guys, unfortunately, you know, the situation with uh with the coronavirus has has um you know changed things up. But um, um hopefully he's uh, I'm I'm sure he's working, but it's a different type of work where you know you're not being able to uh to get all those reps. I mean, you're talking during the course of a off season, man. It, that was, that might be about a thousand reps that you can uh, I know. that it's you can lot. have uh, during the off. Season. Very last thing I want to ask you about, because I want, I, and again, I appreciate your time, but I got to ask you about Adrian Peterson, because you would have, you know, you would have seen him gone up against him. The fact that he's still playing and doing what he's doing, what are your thoughts on him and what you've seen and just as for you know, him as a player? When I, when I saw that uh, Adrian was coming into uh, to Washington to, uh, for a workout, uh, you know, I, I texted people who were the decision maker. I was like, man, he signed that guy because of what um, what he was going to bring. I thought he was going to be a tone setter for the offense, and right. and he was he was that he was a tone setter for the offense. Um, you know, I continue to watch him and the way he approaches the game. He's going to continue to play well because of his mindset. I played in the Pro Bowl with uh with Adrian, and normally Pro Bowl practices are kind of laid back, um, right? Almost like a walkthrough, maybe a little bit of a jog um, pace. And this guy is going full bore, you know, almost running up his lineman's back. <laughs> and, and this is a pro bowl, and that's that's kind of his mentality where he's he's all out all the time, and that's that's why he's been able to have you know the Hall of Fame career that he has had, and he continues to uh, play at a, at a at a high level, even though most people would think, man, how's he still or wonder how's he able to to still do that, but. When you look at his talent and his work ethic, it makes a lot of sense. It, it does. London, man, and I, I appreciate you very much joining me again like this. And, and I, I'm rooting for you to get in the Hall of Fame because not just because you're a fellow Cleveland guy, but because I think, <laughs> it's remar- I think it's remarkable what you did. Your story is a Hall of Fame story. And I think, it, you know, I think it's worthy and your impact in the game and all that. So I, I want, I, I'm hoping that you get there. I'm hoping that you get there. I and hopefully someday, maybe I'll be in a position to, to cast that vote for you. So we'll see. All right. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, John. After this break, I'll be back with a few thoughts on Dwayne Haskins and his recent first-person piece on Redskins.com. This episode of the John Kime Report is brought to you by Manscaped, the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. I bet you're looking for things to do while you're at home. We're all in quarantine. Why not make manscaping part of your routine? Look fresh, feel fresh. 
Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game. They've got the Perfect Package 3.0. The kit comes with their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. It's waterproof, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations. Trust me, on the bath and shower gel, it smells amazing and it works great. It is the perfect package to keep you fresh and feeling like yourself here while we're all at home. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code KIME at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code KIME, K-E-I-M, at manscaped.com. Welcome back. Now, here are a few thoughts that I have after reading Dwayne Haskins' first-person piece on Redskins.com. Number one, he didn't discuss any of the coaching issues and who wanted him or who didn't. He chose to focus on his own growth, and I feel that was smart. Now, I'm sure the Redskins weren't going to go down that road anyway. It would have led to headlines that he didn't need and didn't want. Same for the team. But instead, it was wisely about his own growth on the field and as a quarterback. Number two, Haskins talked about the input he received from quarterback Alex Smith. And that's something I wrote about in detail back in November. I believe it was in November, shortly after Haskins had taken over as a starter. It was Smith, for example, who suggested Haskins do little things like lift on a Tuesday so he could get into the game plan earlier and stay in it longer on Wednesday. That was a big deal before Haskins was doing the reverse, and it made it harder for him to pick up the game plan at the speed the coaches needed him to. Haskins said Smith helped him after the Minnesota game, and after that game, Haskins had told him he doesn't understand why it's not coming as easy to him as it did at Ohio State. Smith's reply was basically, of course it's hard. You're a rookie. It's why Smith is important to keep around. But I also know that Doug Williams provides that sort of guidance for Haskins too. Having said that, it is good to have somebody like that in the meeting rooms. I think it's also equally important and huge that Haskins listens to other people. That doesn't always happen. Number three, Haskins realized that he couldn't be sloppy with his eyes. I think that's a common lesson for quarterbacks, but especially one with only 14 starts coming out of college. And in those games, most were not against high-level defenses. He had a lot of talent around him. Because of that, you could get away with certain habits or without strict attention to detail. But again, I love that he learned. And he also learned from talking to teammates Tim Settle and Ryan Anderson about how, in practice, they could tell when he was going to snap the ball by where he stood. All of it helps. But these little lessons are why it took him a long time. It wasn't just about picking up the offense. It was about everything. He had to learn how to be an NFL quarterback. And I said that over and over when people wanted to know why isn't he playing, it's because he had a ton to learn. Listen, I was told that even back in September, he was still having a hard time with all the formations. He had so much in his head with just trying to master the offense and then master the cadence and master this and master that, that it's really hard to then go up to the line of scrimmage and feel comfortable and confident. It's hard to get all this down when you're trying to learn a new offense and, again, how to read and attack an NFL defense. I never, ever bought into any notion that he wasn't smart because I talked to him and I talked to others about him. I knew that the kid was smart. And for the people I trust there, it was always about him needing to do the extra work to be successful. Not so much that he wasn't working or that he couldn't do it. It's just that he had to do the extra work. Number four, his demeanor against the New York Giants. He addressed this. It was terrible. It was bad throughout much of the early season, in fact. And you saw some pictures of him on the bench at one point when I think Kevin O'Connell was talking to Case Keenum and Colt McCoy were over there. And then Dwayne was at the end of the bench kind of like just not engaged. 
it wasn't a good look. And I saw other pictures throughout that game that were just as bad. It wasn't a one-time thing. He knows this. The teammates know it. And so I, but I like that he points it out. He understood that. And I think that's, again, that's the important thing. When I used to coach and I have my kids, I tell them it's not so much what you do, it's what you learn from it. And I think that if he took that from it, then that's good. And it was the Miami game for me where I think he started to change, where I saw him start to change his mindset around. It was the first game after the, after the change in coaches. He had more energy before the game. He was on the field early throwing passes with Chris Cooley and I think one other teammate, I can't remember who. Then in the warm-ups, you saw more energy. But it was really his start at Buffalo that I saw the biggest difference. And he pointed that out in that piece as well. And it was and it said a lot about him coming after a bad game against Minnesota. I was struck pregame by how Haskins was moving around and carrying himself. I could see the confidence. And even though they lost the game, I remember telling him after the game in the locker room that it's like you look like a different guy. You look more confident. And I could see it and how it reminded me of the guy that I watched in college. It wasn't about the results, but it was about the confidence and, and starting to lay a foundation. In the article, Haskins said he felt more confident in that Buffalo game. I had one coach tell me that Haskins started to see the extra work he was putting in pay off on Sundays. That's where you get confidence. When you feel good about the work you put in, you're going to feel more confident going into a game. And I think that's what we started to see later in the year. Finally, he said there were a lot of times last year that they were dragging in that. And that, of course, was evident to anybody who watched them. Last year felt like a 16-game exhibition exhibition season starting in week one. It was brutal, folks. You know it. I agree the change that the changes they made were absolutely needed. And there is a definite new energy from the people I talk to. There is a feeling like it's a new day out there. Now, a lot of things still have to be proven on the field, but there, but the, with change comes energy. And I think, I think Haskins will benefit from that. There's a long ways to go. One first-person article doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme, but I like that he could point out specific areas of improvement and where he learned and where he grew. Let's see if he's a different player once we have a chance to be around him. If he didn't develop better habits later in the season, or if he didn't listen to others, I'd have some worries about him. But after the way he finished, and with what I've heard him working on in the offseason, I am intrigued. That's it for this week. A big thank you to London Fletcher for joining me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And as always, a massive thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit LoneOakCoffee.com and use promo code COFFEE2020. Talk to you next time.